Hello everyone, welcome to episode 32 of So I've Been Told, and it's my podcast. My name is Adam Kramer, and my guest on this episode is my friend Christiana Benton. She plays in a really great uh, indie band called The Still Small Voice. She's based out of Philadelphia, and I'm a big fan of her music. And I was really excited to talk to her over the internet a couple weeks ago and just kind of talk about her musical journey. I hope you guys dig it. Before I play our conversation, I'm going to play a song by the still small voice called Fear of Breaking. And then I'll just let you guys listen to us talk.
Well, how are you? I'm so fine, I guess. Are we all fine, I think? I don't, I don't know what we are. Like, <laughs> I don't, I don't know what's going on. Everything is real weird. I know. Hold on, I'm just trying to get my phone to, like, sit properly cool. upon my computer. I don't know. Oh, let's just take that out there. Yeah, I mean, who knows? We don't, we, who yeah. knows what's going on. Yeah. I, I keep vacillating between, you know, being really stoked on having a bunch of free time and then being panicked that the world is crumbling and that the apocalypse is upon us and then being like, I have all this free time, but I'm not doing anything the way I pictured I would do it. It's, so. you, know, you know, it's weird because it's like I, 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 I want capitalism to fall. It's just I don't know if I wanted it to be like this. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> it was like some death, some casual death. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oops, there we go. That's all good. Okay. So, I mean, I guess we'll just we'll just go into it. So, how did you, I don't know if you've listened to any other episodes, I just kind of go through your musical journey, and then we just kind of talk about whatever comes up along the way. Okay, um, cool. So, how did, how did you get into playing music, and specifically kind of like underground I use punk as, like, a blanket term for, like, all DIY-type music. Hell, uh, yeah. Yeah, Have I'm not... you ever seen that? Have you ever... Not to, like, divert, not to divert, like, immediately, but have you seen that video of Avril Lavigne talking about how she's a punk rock chick? I haven't, but I'll that sounds amazing. You, uh, yeah. I'm fine with it, yeah. Yeah. Mm. How did I get into music? Um, so I guess at, like, three years old... I realized that I could get uh, attention from my family about by singing um, on the steps in my living room. So started doing that, Bitsy Bitsy Spider, you know, the usual. The classics. Uh-huh, the classic. Um, and then around, like, I mean, I always loved singing. Um, I grew up in church, so I would, you know, that was like, the pinnacle was like seeing people sing on stage and I just yeah. wanted to do it. I wanted to be a part of it. And then, um, I, at 13, it's actually an interesting story. I had, I picked up guitar before and always thought it was so hard cause you have, you don't have any calluses going in. So you're just like, this is <laughs> miserable. I hate this. I don't know how people do it. Yeah. Um, but then one night I had like a, a dream where I was playing like really well and I was in the uh not to get all like superstitious or weird about it but I was in the foyer of my church like the fellowship hall or whatever they called it which was in my dream I'm in this fellowship hall of this church that I had gone to as a kid and I'm so I'm kind of between the sanctuary and the like the doorway to the outside yeah um and I was just playing guitar like really beautifully in it and all these people started coming from like different sides um and gathering around and i was just playing for them um and i woke up the next day and i was like i, I need to play guitar i want to play guitar and my dad bought me uh a baby tailor that i still have oh that's awesome and i started started playing and then that evolved um a little less spiritually into a writing songs in my room for boys when I was in <laughs> high school and uh, I just I was kind of an odd 
odd person. Not, I wouldn't say I was odd, but I, the way that I grew up then getting kind of like pushed into public school from only having gone to Christian private schools that were like very fundamentalist. Mm. Um, I just felt like such like an oddball. I didn't really know how to process all that. I was struggling with like depression and anxiety and OCD. Um, but I found a real safe haven in just writing songs in my room. And, cool. uh, so started doing that. And then, uh, out of high school, I don't know. I went on tour with this band called Life Ruiner for like two days doing their merch. They were uh, a whole two days. Uh huh. They were <laughs> yeah. They were a a metal band out of, or hardcore band. I don't know out of Canada. And I was like, tour is so cool. It was two days long. I was like, this is the shit. I want to do this. Um. But anyway, I ended up. I just I loved music. I always connected with it. I like loved listening to new bands and knowing what record label they were on and all the shit that made you a hipster in like the mid 2000s i was sold <laughs> i was so into it i loved tooth and nail i was like all about it um and uh so i'm trying to think what happened next uh after high school uh i did a little stint i was doing worship leading in the midst of all of this uh at various churches and stuff um, and this was and all in, were, oh, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. This was all in uh, New Jersey? Um, yeah, so it was in New Jersey, okay. and then I joined an organization in Buffalo for, like, a year. Hmm. I was an, an intern there. Turned out, oh, yeah, well, you're, you're close to there. Yeah, what organization? Uh, I can I can cut it out if you don't want it, want it out. Oh, what organization? I do not care. I will throw them under the bus. I don't give a <laughs> shit. Um, uh, it's called Eagle's Wings, and it was I've never even heard definitely... Of it. It was definitely at least a semi-cult or pseudo-cult. So I left that. Uh, I have no hard feelings against anybody who's who's still there, um, were they to ever hear this. But, like, it was definitely a toxic environment. So, But I was playing music still while I was there and, and traveling and doing conferences and stuff like that. Um, but the thing about it was... I, like, I found a sense of purpose in it, Mm -hmm. um, and people are, it's interesting when you play music in a church, people, like, you know, really commend you a lot, if they can connect with what you're doing, you are given, you are affirmed to high heaven, um, maybe (laughs) even paid, uh, (laughs) but then, you know, it's a whole other animal to, like, venture outside of that and start sing, singing your old songs is a different kind of vulnerability. Yeah. Um, and uh, so anyways, I went to Cornerstone one year, a, a music festival in, in Illinois at the time, and uh, I met some people from Nashville, Tennessee, and I was thinking about leaving New Jersey. I wanted to, to move somewhere, and I didn't know where I was going to go, so... Mm. Um, I met them, and I thought they were really cool people, and they were part of this church called the Anchor Fellowship. Um, and I was like, I'm on board. I'll come down there. And it was a community of a lot of people who had been hurt in similar ways that I had, mm-hmm. like in fundamentalist churches. Yeah. Um, and so we had that that kind of that kind of bond right away. A lot of us were part of some kind of music subculture. Um, a lot of people were musicians, like 90% yeah. of the people I knew were musicians. 
Um, and while I thought I was moving down there to become like a small fish in a big pond, I ended up finding a lot of people who were really encouraging about me, like pursuing music yeah. in some capacity. So I made a, a record with my friend Adam in his like, you know, like uh, garage slash like addition to his house. Um, and then I made another EP. So that was called Intention, and that's on Noise Trade. It it's not on Spotify because I have to pay to keep things on Spotify, and I wanted to really push the last album that I did as mm-hmm. the primary thing. Okay. So I did that, or I did that album with my friend Adam, and then I did an uh, acoustic EP with my friend Steven Keach, uh, who used to be in that band Haste the Day. Oh, back, back in the day, and he was living with. I'm going to name drop a bunch right now. Yeah, do it. It's, it's for the <laughs> sake of, it's literally for the sake of the story. Um, so he was living at the time, this was before he married my friend Christy, uh, with Matt Hoops from Reliant K. Oh, weird. So, so we recorded, managed the last album that I did in that house with like all of Reliant K's gear. They were just like, oh, like, damn. Matt, yeah, Matt Teeson was literally like, hey, do you want to use this guitar? And, like, handed me his guitar. And I was like, yeah, okay, sure. Uh, It was very cool. They're all really sweet, sweet people. And Steven is, like, I can't say enough about how smart he is and his ability to, he works for Soundstripe now, but um, he still does some projects, I think, and his ability to just translate from artist to engineer and, like, be a producer at the same time is crazy. So he helped us really, like, hone all the songs and then make them sound good. Yeah. Um, so we did that, and I had a bunch of different people who played with me over the years. Uh, and uh, toured a little bit. Yeah. That was really fun. And uh, then, so I lived in Nashville for, like, seven and a half years. And then two almost two years ago, decided to make the move up to Philadelphia, um, which is where I live now. Yeah, and what was the what was the reason for the, the move to Philly? Um, so I was getting a little bit I don't want to shit on Nashville because it gave me such a a cool a cool education and such an incredible group of friends. Yeah. Like truly incredible people. Um and it's a fun city. But uh, I was just like kind of done with it. I I felt like at that point, like I had so much information, and I needed to like go somewhere else to do something mm-hmm. with it. And like the same, the picture I had was like the same way that like you have to take a pot, like a plant, out of a pot and put it into a bigger pot for it to be able to thrive. I thought yeah. like it was time for me to do that. Mm-hmm. My sister, my sister was also gonna have a baby. Um, and I wanted to see him grow up. She just had yeah. a second baby. Nice. Um, and then my, you know, it's just like at the end of my life, like I want to have invested in my family. And I, I spent a lot of my teenage and young adult years being like super adamantly like kind of, I won't say rebellious because I was having mental health issues, but mm-hmm. like uh, I didn't really feel like I was able to nurture those relationships in ways that I want to now. Um, And so 
Um, also, just honestly, I'd always wanted to live in Philadelphia. Yeah. Even as I got, I almost went to school here, and then I freaked out because it was like too big of a city at the time. <laughs> and then uh, I came here to visit, and I was like, "Gosh, I love it here so much. I still do. It's like crazy, and also so fun. And there's so much to do, and it's like historic and beautiful. So um, it feels like my home, like that I just didn't live in until now. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, it's a really cool feeling. I'm like, yeah. very in love with it. So how's, um, what's, you know, how, how would you compare, like, you know, as far as getting shows or the shows you played in Nashville compared to, you know, what you do there in Philadelphia? Um, you know, are you, are you at a, you know, it sounds like you had a pretty big, like, base of friends in Nashville. Is that a little bit of a disadvantage, you know, being in a new city or, you know, you know how, how does that all work? Um, I can only speak to my personal experience and it's a little hard to say because while I feel like musically I'm thriving here more so than I did in Nashville, I I would say it's more just like I've taken the education I got from Nashville and also when I lived in Nashville, I'm an Enneagram 4, I don't know if that matters to anybody or (laughs) anybody knows what that means, but basically she's like, oh hell yeah, (laughs) so... My personality type is that, like, I tend to go against the flow. Yeah. So if everybody is around me is doing something, I tend to, like, contrast it, which, like, there's space for that in society. It's it's healthy. It's a balance. Um, but I think for me, like, having so many people to compare myself to in the field that I wanted to be in was actually kind of hard. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was able to thrive more getting out into an area that was like more diverse. Yeah. But I learned, I learned so much. I had so much help. I wish I had taken advantage of the help that was being offered to me Mm. so much more than I did. I think I hid a lot when I was in Nashville because Mm. I just was intimidated. Like, yeah. Um, so now that I'm here, I've been able to like confidently take what I learned. Additionally, in all honesty, because the market is so oversaturated in Nashville, people aren't aren't as excited as they are in other cities. Yeah. Here, I went out when I started working as a barista. That was my first job when I moved here. Um, I was the only musician who worked in the coffee shop that I worked in, which was like unheard of in Nashville. It was like everybody, but like what? Like there would be like one person who didn't want to do music or didn't do music that seems that, that you worked with yeah that even that seems strange like even i mean i mean rochester's not a big city but i feel like every i mean it's also like like per capita we have more musicians in rochester than a lot of other cities apparently according to some some article somewhere said that uh-huh. <laughs> but, yeah i was like people were just regulars would come in and they'd be like what kind of stuff do you do i'd be like well i also play music and they'd be like oh what is it when's your next show oh, wow. how can i listen to it like people are so stoked and i was like oh this is so weird i'm used to people being like oh yeah cool me too yeah who are you touring with right <laughs> now like and 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 that was cool too it it taught me man Nashville taught me how to like not put people up on pedestals based on like what they do as a job you yeah. know uh <laughs> it's it's important to learn that I think um but uh yeah so anyway since moving here I've just I felt very supportive really 
really supported really immediately. Mm-hmm. Um, and people have like, I slowly made friends with other artists and oops, stop there. Um, I slowly made friends with other artists and uh, gotten to know the scene a little bit more. But it's also different getting to know the quote unquote scene as a thirty-one year old. Yeah. You know, then it is when you're like 24. I'm like, oh, you, you guys are doing so great. You know, <laughs> great job, guys. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be over here. I'm going home. I'm going to bed at 10:30. Um, <laughs> but it's okay. Like it's still good and still feels connective. Um, but yeah. Mm-hmm. Have you have you toured since you moved to Philly, or was that I can't remember if what last time you were up here was post your your move to Philly or not. No, that was right before I moved. Yeah. I actually just started getting all these, like, Facebook notifications. It's like, two years ago, you were doing this. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, it was from that tour. And actually, Fortunato was just down here, and I didn't get to go to the show because I was going to my parents' house. But, uh... It's a really small... Like, the whole, like, DIY touring thing is such a small world. My the the bass player from that band, Mesa Glow, is, like, one of my, like, best friends from back home. And they were on that show with Fortunato as well. Oh, weird. Um, but he, I mean, they, he actually, my friend didn't play the show anyway because he was traveling for work, but uh, yeah, so yeah, it's, it's a small world. I know. It's really crazy, actually. Like, it just keeps getting smaller and smaller. It's kind of freaky, but it's good. But yeah, that was, that was the last tour I did. And that was honestly like one of my favorite tours ever, too. Um, I did go, I did tour once just for like a week right after the summer that I got here I just threw it together because I was going at Audio Feed Festival yeah so I went on tour with my friend Norel and we just played a few house shows on cool. the way out um I are you playing Audio Feed this year? I don't know <laughs> um so there's this thing with me and Audio Feed where they just like don't tell me if I'm booked until hmm. the flyer comes out but um, I don't think I am because they did tell me, they told me that, uh, they were going to start having some of their regular people play every other year yeah. to kind of diversify it. And I played last year. So gotcha. I was just curious cause I'm going year. this year. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if I am. Um, it, I don't know if any of us are honestly. It's just well, oh yeah. Know, like if we get to leave our house ever again. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, I did that little tour and I will just say this for anybody listening. If you're going to book a tour in the summer. It was the first time I ever booked a tour in the dead of summer. Mm-hmm. Two things you want to check. Make sure the house, like the places that you're staying at night have air conditioning. And yep. also make sure that they don't have fleas. Because for some reason, I'm not calling anybody out. If I happen to stay with you two years ago in the summer on tour, I'm not saying any specifics, but it felt like, at least three of the places we stayed it was like oh we don't have air conditioning and then you're like oh why is that cat from the street coming in the house (laughs) and they're like oh we just like let the the outdoor cats come inside like we just let the street cats in and i was just like i have like i'm way too ocd for this shit like i should have thought this through but i was just trying to piece it together quick to get the audio feed (laughs) bigger big time regrets so don't do that um yeah. Anyway. Are you are you working on a uh, new material? Working on writing a new record or anything like that? I am. Um, 
it's literally like it's literally sitting next to me (laughs) making notes um that's the thing i'm really trying to focus on during this quarantine um or whatever we want to call it um (laughs) is just getting getting the songs together and start recording them um i have some like pretty cool stuff in the works um been talking to some people about doing some things that I think I can talk about it. I don't think it's a big deal. Um, but I have a single in the works and um, an out like just a, an album, hopefully that will come out um, sometime in the fall. Awesome. But it just has to, it's written. It just has to get recorded, and yeah. that's the most daunting part to me. Yeah. I I love recording and I hate recording. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, that's happening, and I'm talking to a, an indie label here um, that I'm probably going to be signing with sometime in the next week. And, oh, amazing! Yeah, so they're going to be helping me with all that, and it's really cool. I never, I think I'm allowed to talk about it. I don't see why I wouldn't be, but um, it'll be it'll be a couple weeks till this comes out. So <laughs> yeah, perfect, yeah. perfect. <laughs> um, well, I think they're announcing it in June sometime. Okay. I never, I was never really all that concerned with being on a label. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just figured I'd grind it out. Really, the only things I wanted were a manager and like a booking agent. Yeah. Um, but then when they approached me about signing, and like I got the breakdown of all the stuff they'd be helping me with, I was like, oh, I should have been trying to do this a long time ago because <laughs> they are very helpful. Some of them are scams and you have to read the contract for yeah. sure, but. Um, so my 31 year old ass is going to try to do some, (laughs) some stuff now that I wanted to do when I was 25, but didn't really have the confidence to do. Yeah. You know, amazing. Uh, yeah, it's really exciting. Cool. Any tours coming up or anything like that? Um, no tours yet. That kind of will be one of the things we talk about, um, in the midst of, of all of this stuff. Um, is my goal is to hop on some tours with people and just open for them. Yeah. Since I moved here, I've been playing mostly acoustic shows, like solo shows. And mm-hmm. then um, the last couple shows I've brought on my friend Caitlin and my friend Alyssa to play. She, Alyssa plays cello and Caitlin plays like a bunch of stuff, but she's been singing with me and playing like a oh, drum cool. pad. Yeah. Um, so we had like a little trio and that was really cool. Um, but I just really want to hop on... I, I would love to just be able to, like, hop in a van with a couple bands and and go on the road and open for them and, like, do whatever I can help out. Um, yeah. Right now I work at a recording studio here in town, um, and that job officially is a temp job right now because I'm covering for someone on maternity leave. That job goes through the end of April. Mm. Um, I don't know if they'll keep me on. Um, or if I'll have to look for stuff, but that's kind of like, I can't really do anything till then. Yeah. Also can't do anything till like, you know, this blows over. So I'm not yeah. super worried about it. Yeah. Um, yeah. People are doing like live stream tours. They're just like every night I'm going on at 6 PM, you know? Yeah. It's, like, it's, right. it's crazy. The amount of live streams that I like just like going on Instagram and like there's like 10 people that I follow that are all like live at the same time and yeah it's, so, it's a little yeah it's a lot yeah um I'll probably do it when 
that blows over. <laughs> yeah. That's a, I'll probably wait till everybody's not doing it as much and people are real bored. But um, I do have an idea for one that I think will be really fun, which is I got I have to like get myself to actually do this, but I want to do where like every day leading up to it, like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, there's like you have to vote between two bands of different genres like yeah. so it's like so like the first one would be like um on monday it'd be like vote between these two um pop punk emo bands and it's like newfound glory or dashboard and then whoever wins out of that like fills that bracket yeah and then the next day it's like pick between these these like 90s pop singers and then you know like fill that bracket yeah and then nobody knows which song I'm going to cover of whoever wins, but then, like, I want to do a cover set that's just, like, six songs that were just voted on. Nice. So I just go from, like, Chris Caraba to Christina Aguilera nice. to <laughs> whatever. Yeah. Just to be, just to be silly. Because I just feel like that's what's lacking is, like, everybody's live streaming, but so little of it is interactive. Yeah. It's just like, listen to me. Yeah. Please. And everybody, yeah. when everybody's doing it at the same time, it's kind of hard to differentiate. <laughs> yeah, and it's all well, it's all well meaning, and it's important. But I, we just, I just feel like we end up talking over each other a lot of the time. Yeah. So. Cool. Um, yeah. Nice. How is you know what's it been like being a woman within DIY and touring? Ha- has that been? How's that experience been for you? Um, <laughs> I knew this was where this was going. And I'm, you were like, I'm How's sorry. How's it been as a woman? <laughs> yeah, I know. That's what, like I wanted to think of a better way to say it, but oh, it's an um, important question. You know, yeah, and I'm, I, you know, and I, I've like, and you know, I've, I've wanted to have you on the podcast for a long time, but like lately specifically, I realized that it's just been like so many dudes. If you look back through the episodes I've done, uh-huh. and I'm like purposely trying to get some uh, female perspective. <laughs> um yeah on the show so um yeah so if you want to have anything to say that you want to say about that go for it <laughs> okay let me think how's it been as a woman in diy okay i'm gonna start with the positives because as much as there is a whole lot of garbage going on i would say just insist like we're just being unearthed essentially mm. i i would say that honestly i've had especially in Nashville, I've had such great experiences in a DIY scene. I didn't really discover it until a few years in, and I wish I had sooner. But then once I did, I felt like I found my my space. Mm. And then granted, this was like five years ago. I am, as much as I love the DIY scene, it'll always be a part of my life. I also want to play venues. Like, yeah. I want to, like, I don't, I'm not a DIY or die. Like, mm. I'm like, this is a great place never take it for granted be humble be present with whoever is listening to you basement shows i've had experiences in basement shows that will that changed my life um but i also believe in having help um and i also believe in camaraderie so now i feel like my a lot of my experience of diy because i am not in that community as often 
is like what I see on Facebook, which is not a good depiction of it. And it's like very combative lately. Um, You know, but it's also just because it's like the community's grown so much. But I would say as a woman, my experience was really good. I felt like I had a lot of brothers. Like I had a lot of like younger brothers in the Mm. scene and they were so supportive and they helped me believe in myself and they helped with playing and they helped with putting me on shows and um it just felt really good I've always kind of I'm not one of the guys but I've always gotten along with guys and been able to just kind of kick it so that was helpful um and I think at an early age this will be this is this is what I say I think part of the problem and I'm literally talking out of my butt but like I think part of the problem in certain music scenes is that women feel like we either have to become some sort of like object of sexual desire like be the cool hot girlfriend of the guy in the band Mm -hmm. or we have to literally de-feminize ourselves like de-like sexualize ourselves Mm -hmm. and so I kind of went that route where I was like oh I'll just like not I'll just like dress like all of you and talk like all of you Mm -hmm. and that way I'll like earn respect, you know? And, uh, and I did it for a really long time and I, I, and I always felt comfortable. Like that goes into a lot of stuff about like also just like church culture and purity yeah. culture. But, um, I think some of that is also fed because like in my experience my has been that sometimes men in the scene or whatever you want to call it, just don't know what to do with you if you are, a strong woman like mm-hmm. they either feel like they have to somehow own you by like collaborating with you and like like making you like their shit like I cannot tell you I was like venting to my boyfriend about this yesterday and I was like I cannot tell you how many times I have been like in a room with a man who has like been like hey can I like show you a song and then it's like oh sure show me a song and then like six or seven songs later I haven't even had a chance to like talk or like say anything Mm. I'm just like sitting there they're like captive (laughs) audience listening to their like music yes for whatever reason um or the alternative is like I don't know like it it just feels like you're you're categorized or they want to, like, prove that they're better than you somehow. And that's not everybody, but I have had those experiences. Or they just, like, or it's just, like, a weird sense of, like, shock that you're even capable of doing the thing that you're doing. <laughs> like, I always tell the story, which is that, like, it was somebody so well-meaning. He was such a sweet person, but he was, like, I was watching you, you guys play, like, my band had just played, and he was, like, I was watching you guys play, and, like, I noticed, like, I was like looking around to see who was playing that cool riff, like which like which guy was playing it, and then I realized it was you. That's so <laughs> rad. And I was like, "Yeah, dude, it's my fucking band. Like I wrote the riff. Like I wrote the whole song. Like what are you so shocked about?" And it was also like a very easy riff, but um, <laughs> it was just like one of those things where you're like, everybody kind of looked at him like, "Dude." You tried, but that this is not the compliment. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I feel like there's that, and then yeah, I mean, I guess I guess I definitely have had have had some experiences of 
people being like, oh, that that really made me feel something and I'm attributing it to you in a sexual way. And mm. they're just like, that's not the point. Or, or they want a mansplain something to feel powerful and, and it's belittling. Like, they want to tell you that you're electric guitarist was playing too much or or and you're just like i literally never asked you like i never asked for your opinion but you feel like it's warranted um and i used to just keep my mouth shut and be like oh okay or i'd internalize it and like think about it too much and now i just say thanks i never asked (laughs) but that's nice uh that you got to say that out loud you know yeah Um, but, I, but, I, but I don't want to end it on that because I don't want to end it on that. Oh, yeah. Note. Yeah. I will say that at the same exact time, like, my friend Jim, who's managing me now, the most supportive person I've ever met, it's, like, crazy. I have to be like, dude, it's fine. Like, thank you. I don't know. <laughs> um, you know, like, uh, I have so many, so many guy friends who have, like, I can't, like, I can't even explain, like, do things for free that were, like, way under their pay grade, or just, like, offered to, uh, offered to help me in some way that, like, was totally unnecessary. My friend Evan, like, Venmoed me $45 one day randomly just so I could, like, keep taking the voice lessons I was taking, like, for all the shitty experiences I've had, like, a dozen good ones so it's also like I feel honored to be able to help pave the way for people for women in the future in some capacity um, if I can so you know yeah cool what's your what's your favorite favorite story from being on tour I know that's like probably something that like lots of people ask people like touring musicians but I don't know I just kind of want to I don't know, I just want to move in a light direction now after talking about <laughs> yeah, this. What's the story with the hog? I can't even get into it. All I can say is, like, I didn't see it coming, and my band was not stoked on it. <laughs> uh, so did they tell you that they had a hog in the house before? Mine, but what? Did they tell you that it was there before you got there? Yeah, it was a friend of mine. Okay, it was a friend of mine, and he and his girlfriend had gotten a pet pig. Mm-hmm. Um, and he'll be so mad at me if he hears this, because he, like, literally, like, still like he had to I think he had to give the pig up to a farm when he moved but um they had gotten a pet pig and I had seen pictures of it when they were dating yeah Um, and I was like oh cute little teacup pig and I had stayed with him before too like 
when I had been traveling through a city. And uh, anyways, I thought that they had adopted a teacup pig together. Mm-hmm. Well, turns out they hadn't adopted a teacup pig. They had adopted a regular pig, but the pig was a baby when I saw it. <laughs> and still, years had passed. They had broken up. He had kept the pig. And I had told my van, I was like, oh, yeah, like, we're going to go stay with him. He has a little teacup pig as a pet. It's like a little dog. Like, it's whatever. Mm-hmm. And we walked in, and there was a full-blown, like, 200-pound hog in this <laughs> tiny house, like, living room, um, on top of other things. But I think one of my favorite tour stories is we were playing, um, we were playing in Atlanta at uh, the, what is is it called the fucking this is what i'm saying i have amnesia uh it's like a very famous the masquerade okay yeah um, so the masquerade is three venues in one it's heaven hell and purgatory and we were playing in hell and so our band rolls up and we see like a big tour bus so we're like oh somebody bigger is playing in heaven mm-hmm. um and so we get out <laughs> And <laughs> we get out of the bus and we're like, yo, who's playing in heaven? And a couple of the guys who worked at the venue who were helping us with our gear, they were like, oh, it's Scott Staff's new band. Oh, wow. So he had like formed a <laughs> band, like a super group with like some dudes from Guns N' Roses. And um, they were playing in heaven. So like we're unloading our gear and like Scott Staff is walking around. And we're all just like, holy shit, this is wild. And, like, all the guys who are helping us with our gear are just, like, under their breaths, thinking with arms wide open. Like, we can't handle it. Like, um, so we set up. We were playing uh, with a band called Narrow Arrow. And we were just hanging out. And then uh, my friend, you know, Steve, you know, the Chariot. Yeah. So Stevis lived in time. Um, my friend Steve has lived in Atlanta at the time he came out to the show. He was like one of five people that came to the show mm-hmm. in this like full venue. Um, so, okay, so maybe we played to like 10 people, including the bands. It was one of those shows. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was fun. We had a good time. Steve had, had worked at the Masquerade at one point. So he was like, kind of well he had he had worked at the old one but he like took us around he was like we were kind of like just going around and people who worked there knew who he was so he was like yo let's like sneak into this scott Stapp show so he just like <laughs> open he just like opens a side door in the hallway and we're like in there and yeah. there's like no joke like maybe 10 more people at scott Stapp show than <laughs> like it was just one of these things yeah. um but i just remember like for days, we were just like telling people about how we played in the same venue as Scott Stapp, and we just thought it was really funny. <laughs> but it was funny. It was like it was it was wild. But yeah, yeah, I'll call, I'll call that one one of my favorites. Nice. Did you did you guys get to meet him or? No, he was like walking around. He didn't come in. We they catered food for all of us, which was nice. So we were like in the same like green room essentially. Well, yeah. not green room, but like. 
hospitality room. Yeah. Um, but no, he wasn't in there. And I don't think any of us really necessarily were like, gotta chat it up. Like, <laughs> like we just, we were just kind of like, are we really sharing a venue with Creed right now? <laughs> That's amazing. Uh, yeah, it was very funny. Um, but it was a fun show, too. Nice. Um, yeah. I'm sure I have other ones I'll think of later, but... Yeah, that's all good. It's funny, uh, the last interview I did the other day, uh, Matt Thiessen came up as well. Oh, really? Um, I interviewed... Do you remember uh, Do you remember that band Last Tuesday? Oh, man, sounds so familiar. They were like a pop-punk band from Harrisburg, and they were on Mono vs. Stereo for a hot minute. Yeah, why do I feel like they just came across my Instagram randomly the other day or something? Hmm. Is it... Who's who is the singer of that band? Steve G and it was Carl. Carl was the name of the bass player. I just had Carl on the podcast, uh, okay. and uh, they, uh, Thiessen produced one of their records. Oh, so, okay. Yeah, okay. and uh, the most recent episode I put out was uh, with Leonor from Five Iron Frenzy. Oh, cool. Yeah, so you're you're in good company. <laughs> I am trying to, you know, that's, you know, what I'm doing with kind of the, the quarantine time is trying to interview all of the people that don't live in the same city here and uh, trying to get back on the, on my podcast game and putting stuff out every week. Yeah. How is old Rochester? Things are, things are good. I mean, I don't get out as much as I used to because I'm kind of doing dad stuff. But I mean, uh, uh, me without you was just here with Thrice, which oh, was. Oh yeah, they came through here too. I didn't find out about it until it was happening. But... Yeah, it like, and it was at the venue that's literally the closest place to my house, like, <laughs> like a five minute walk to like the next main street over. So, seeing my favorite band like that close to my house is was pretty dope. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. But, I mean, other than that, I mean, uh, Vineyard's not doing shows anymore. Aww. No shows there anymore. That's sad. Yeah. So, it's kind of, things are kind of slow. I mean, there's stuff going on, but it's, like, kind of slowed down a lot from what it was, like, a year ago. Yeah. Um, that was another fond tour memory. It was us all sleeping on the floor of that <laughs> room and, like doing crossword puzzles together as a band because we didn't <laughs> party very hard yeah <laughs> we just would like all do family crosswords at night yeah um and uh i remember we tried to go to that barcade and we had andrew with us who was like 12 years old at the time <laughs> he was, like i think he was like freshly 20 yeah and we were just trying to drink beers, and we'd always have to, like, figure out where he could go and where he couldn't go. <laughs> yeah, oh, so you probably went over there after the show, because if, if it's before 10, they let anybody in. Yeah, but. yeah, yeah, we did go after the show. Yeah. Um, but that was a good show. That yeah. Was really yeah, that was, that was like, a really good turnout. Like, not to, whatever, toot my own horn. No, it was but great. I, was, I, like, put together a good, I put together a good lineup that night. Yeah, everybody was great. Yeah, I've been trying to, like, now it's, like, I've been, if somebody hits me up, which I made it very clear to most people that, like, follow me that I'm, like, I'm not really booking shows anymore, but if friends, like, Chris Bernstorff has played two house shows here in my apartment, uh-huh. 
Um, like, I'll put something together for friends, but other than that, like, I, I mean, I was, like, all of my time was spent doing booking for, like, a couple years there, so yeah. it's, like, it's kind of nice to not get, like, five messages a day, for five to ten messages a day from people I don't know asking me for a show. Yeah, it's draining. I started booking for a venue down here, and right now it's such a fucking bummer because I had all these really great shows set up. Oh, yeah. And canceled. Yeah. Um, but that is the other thing with the DIY vibe is, like, it's so not structured. Like, it's fun, but it's very unstructured, and you can get so burnt out so quickly booking, especially if you're not taking any kind of pay cut, which a lot of people don't. Yeah. What I, I was, I was, this actually came up on another episode that I've recently did where, like, and with, like, with kind of DIY, like, you know, pay what you can shows, like, it's so, like, you know, overall, it was, you know, definitely a net positive, but, you know, it's, it's kind of a gamble. Like, yeah. I could, like, there are shows that I put together crazy good lineups and promoted as hard as I do any other show and sometimes people just don't come out. It's yeah. it's always a gamble. I mean I had I'm trying to think which one was like I had I booked a show with household, like right as they were kinda like blowing up and like hardly anybody came out and everybody online was like, Oh shit, I'm coming to that show yeah. and then they didn't. You know, it's yeah. I also am a big proponent of like claiming stake on your value and i just don't believe in a in a three dollar door fee like mm. i just i am like if there are three bands hauling their gear and practicing to come out yeah. to play music for you you could pay ten dollars i don't care if it's in a basement because if i'm gonna watch you drink an ipa at the bar later that costs you seven dollars like it's just like it's just so hypocritical to me and i don't care if people get mad at me about it but i'm like like there is no reason that you should be paying less money for a three-hour show of people like pouring their heart out um than you pay for like a beverage when you are out afterwards like there's just no there's just no reason it's so much work people don't realize that it's so much work and there are moments when it's super validating. Like, my other favorite tour story would just be the show we played in New Paltz, New York. It was so dope. People were so attentive and loving. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying you can't do a pay-what-you-want, like, and have a turnout and, like, sorry, my alarm keeps going up. <laughs> um, have, like, a great turnout and have the bands leave with money. But, like, it's you're taking a huge gamble on everybody's livelihood yeah. when you do it uh, so yeah. it's it's real it's tricky you have to know your market i guess it's really what it comes down to yeah but. and i mean part of what happened here was i mean especially for a small city we were so, we're so oversaturated there's you know there's nights when there would be like three or four shows going on at different places and like yeah. this isn't a big city so that spreads your audience so like so thin yeah but you know it's valid and you have snow out of nowhere that's that's true i'm glad we were like they were saying that we might get some last night but we didn't thankfully that's insane it's like it was like 78 degrees i know 
but it, it like dropped down to like like 20 degrees last night after being like 65 during the day it's insane yeah i don't know i don't know what i'm doing here this is stupid no i, I love it here but like yeah no it's it's but yeah i did not come here for the weather
That was Distract Me to Sleep by The Still Small Voice. It's an older track, one of my favorites, song I have a little bit of a personal connection to. But uh, yeah, I hope you really enjoyed this conversation. Christiana is incredibly talented, as you now know from uh, hearing her music. Uh, But yeah, uh, make sure you check out The Still Small Voice. Thank you guys for uh, being patient when I didn't put an episode out last week. This uh, coronavirus business is crazy, and uh, honestly, I'm having a little bit of trouble with uh, you know struggling with depression, dealing with all this. But I hope to be back on track and continuing to bring you some more super cool conversations. I have a whole bunch of convos backlogged and i'm gonna try to keep bringing these to you once a week if not once a week you know um at least every other week if (laughs) if i feel good maybe we'll see i got a couple things that i would like to throw into your podcast feed uh as bonus episodes so that then i'd be coming to you more than once a week but you know that means that that means I'm focused and motivated enough to get those out to you. But thank you guys so much for listening. I really appreciate every single one of you who listens to this podcast. It's uh, really a labor of love for me. I really love getting to uh, give artists and friends a platform to kind of share their stories. So thank you so much for, for listening. All right. Stay safe out there, everybody. Wash your hands.